0: Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Science Faction, the only show where a scientist, a comedian, and a comedian-scientist come together to discuss science, comedically.
1: Hello, and welcome to Science Faction 634, Science Faction, The Luckiest Woman Alive, and How Our Planet Could Fuck Us. The luckiest woman alive,
0: are we talking about any sexual partner Damien's had?
1: Who did not get a mixture of crabs and herpes, or crabs with herpes on them?
0: It is actually a very, very small subsection of women I've slept with, and mainly that was because I—I uh, I think they just pretended to do me, but stole my wallet when I passed
1: out. But I'm counting, <laughs> baby. It's a notch on the belt, baby. I have satisfied numerous women by having a heart attack mid-coitus, so that they could stop. <laughs>
0: What's the best you've done, Steve
1: Novella? Your move. Oh dear, and if you want to beat up Steve Novella in the bed or the boxing ring, go ahead and check out our Patreon. Search Robert Timothy on Patreon, where you will get another episode of Science Faction every single week. I'm picturing like Steve Novella
0: losing his virginity as like him writing boobs on a calculator. Like, oh, oh yeah, I remember when I lost my virginity. By the way, this is a genuine Stephen Novella in person. I guarantee any one of our fans.
1: I have been thinking about creating like a science... Podcasting convention, just so I can ensure an in person meeting between me and the dead man previously known as Stephen Novella.
0: But just as what would happen in the lore of the show happens in real life, when real life Alex Jones, who considers you're having this event as an invite, like right yes. when you're about to launch your trap, hey, Bobby Alex Jones here, just comedically interrupts you. Oh, yeah, hey, I'll tell
1: you what, mate, can I get a shirt with Can I get a picture with you topless? You would be topless screaming at the camera. It's kind of a thing, but yeah. <laughs> See, and that's why I have the best podcasting co-host for that scenario, because you you jump in shirtless, dressed exactly like Alex Jones, going, you're not Alex Jones, I'm Alex Jones, you're a reptilian, get the fuck out of here.
0: Yeah, and then like all of a sudden there's somebody with a gun, like, like
1: <laughs> whoa, 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 which one of
0: you is the real Alex Jones? Did Sandy Hook happen? And I say, yeah, of course it did. Bam, I get shot. Real <laughs> yeah. Alex Jones. It's a shame you shot that guy. I was about to chest bump him. Seems like he would have liked it. Damn. That guy was sexy as hell. (laughs) I I love this accent. Probably had good taste in chili. (laughs) He too probably (laughs) does not know a thing about his children.
1: Oh dear, let's move right on to science articles. From molecules to particles, this is Science Articles. Sometimes you fill your brain with so much earth-saving information that it kicks out other information like your children's names or or dates of birth or existence. Or or your
0: uh, orders about not talking about this case outside the courtroom, Your Honor. There, (laughs) I said
1: (laughs) Article number one, the luckiest and unluckiest woman on the planet.
0: I think we're talking about my wife here, you know, somebody who gets to have sex with Damien, but also then has to know that she's experienced the peak of, of life. What's the point? You know, once right. you leave the bedroom, you know, it's uh, it's all
1: downhill from there, baby. Yeah, it's like uh, it's like figuring out that your partner, your romantic partner is actually as necessary to living as insulin. And then the, the NUE that comes with realizing that you will die if ever separated from them.
0: Yeah. By the way, my wife is in the corner vomiting. I don't know if she suddenly became ill right about the time I started talking in that Carl from Aquatine voice. It's weird. No, that's what she does when she's horny. Oh, God. Oh, it's 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 coming at her back end now, too. It's it's, it's hitting her from both sides. She is really
1: disgusted or turned on. She's into you, bud. By something. Yeah. <laughs> She's just that into you. Uh, all right. So let's talk about this woman. This is a super interesting story about a woman who probably should have never been born. And that sounds like a bad thing to say, but I don't mean like morally or ethically. I just mean like scientifically speaking.
0: This is like uh, like you're like uh, that angel from that uh, It's a Wonderful Life. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> Let me tell you why you should never have been born.
0: By the way, uh, if doctors weren't treating your constant tumors, here, let's go visit some of the
1: lives they could have saved. So she has a rare, in fact, so rare that she's the only human ever known to have it, genetic mutation that causes a high likelihood of tumor growth. So despite being a young woman in her mid-30s, she has had 12 tumors, five of them I believe were cancerous, seven benign, at this point in her life, starting from the age of two to the last one at the age of 28, Sounds hellish. I mean, like, uh, I mean, I I, I don't like, I don't
0: like, I have a background uh, in helping people with disabilities. So I I felt a little dirty about ragging on her because technically she was born with an incredibly unfortunate thing. But Mm -hmm. that being said, uh, no joke coming up. Don't please don't pause for a punchline. Please think more of me than that, science faction fans. Uh-huh. Uh, is is this condition disfiguring? Does does um no. Does she, okay, so so like they're like it's like petting a dog, like an old golden retriever. There's going to be some lumps. Yes. Okay. Just
1: a very very lumpy. Like yeah, she feels like one of those personal massaging wands, <laughs> if you know what I mean. <laughs> wow, it's the the pearls seem to move. Yeah. So this particular mutation is a mutation for the MAD1L1 gene, notice MAD1, which codes for the MAD1 protein, which helps with cell replication. It helps literally line up the DNA so that it can be replicated.
0: Molecules against drunk dividing. I'm trying to think of what. <laughs> I'm sorry, Bobby, a lot of your laughter cut out. Uh, I, th- I think the fans need to hear you, how how the actual reaction that that got.
1: Just a bunch of parent cells talking to their kids' cells about the dangers of what happens if you replicate while intoxicated.
0: <laughs> That's how you get cancer. Bam! There, I need a perfect copy, come out.
1: Somewhere there's a cell version of, of Nancy Reagan just fucking ruining childhood and adolescence everywhere by getting rid of drugs.
0: Dude, kids don't, who don't know the arcade, but because of the arcade, we grew up and like there was like in every video game made like during a certain time, they had like a like a uh, yeah. hey, the head of the FBI. Let's just say his name is Frank Herbert. Frank Herbert, head of the FBI, says doing drugs isn't cool. And every game in the arcade had a had a something from the head of the FBI. Uh, surely because we all kids know the head of the FBI is the coolest motherfucker on the planet. That's, yeah. that's what I learned <laughs> as a kid.
1: Oh, dear. So what does this do and how does this cause cancer? We think that if you have one mutation of this genome, you're more likely to have cancer and more tumors will pop up. But- Two is such a big deal that all of our examples of, of an individual creature having two of these mutations of the MAD1 gene are in animals and 100% of them die before they're born. Meaning that the genetic mutation is essentially a death sentence or it's been considered as such until this paper came out this week which looked at the only known case of a human having, in fact the only known case of any living creature surviving with two copies copies of this messed up mad one gene now aside from you know the 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 tumors is there a clean bill of health you know like is there a tumor pressing on the spine right now she is tumor free the last one she had was about six seven years ago so she's been tumor free for a little bit but the big deal is so one side you could look at this and be like what an unlucky person she she's you know she got two copies of this bad gene and now she has cancer over and over again but the reality is also what an insanely lucky person because she's the only creature in known existence to have these two copies of this mutation and still be alive and the reason is because she has a totally unique and different immune system likely because of this so here's a quote from the article in their analysis the team found that the presence of cells with abnormal numbers of chromosomes kicked off defensive immune response in cells with the typical 23 three pairs. These immune cells drive inflammation throughout the woman's body and by spewing specific molecules and inflammatory substances, the cells may help the immune system spot and destroy cancerous tumors when they arise. This may explain why the patient responded well to cancer treatments, including chemotherapy, radiation and surgeries, the team theorizes, end quote. So basically what they're saying is her immune system uniquely is able to recognize these cancerous, precancerous cells and get rid of them in a way that if it wasn't doing that, she would have died just like every other creature we know of who has this double mutation but this leads to something that's like an even bigger question she has the Hulk's immune system I think that's the most
0: important she has like the Captain America of immune systems that's fucking amazing
1: Yeah, you almost want to say like the Wolverine immune system, but I feel like there also could be a cancer element of that. Basically, yes, she has this supercharged immune system and the reason that's really interesting is this could be the cure to other people's cancers. People who don't have, you know, the double mutation, they just end up getting some regular cancer, just a normal cancer. They don't necessarily have that predisposition. If we can find a way to tweak those people's immune system to behave like this woman's immune system, those cancers become instantly much more survivable and we know that because this woman is still alive with an otherwise fatal cancer condition. Now would we go in there with like a CRISPR gene, like like take her blood Could sample be. and cut out the cut out what we need? could be or maybe it's immune system training maybe it's monoclonal antibodies maybe we gotta go in there and you know get maybe there's a vaccine like a cancer vaccine and we can get her, their immune system to recognize and start swapping who knows like that's the next step we obviously have to figure that out but the fact of the matter is this is how certain scientific advancements will come about is we find this one in a billion freak in this case one in eight billion freak that has this insane genetic mutation that might help the rest of us live different lives that might help infirm people be be, get over sickness that that might be the end of cancer you know these type of things are incredibly exciting because that that one-off that case of that person who should be dead but isn't might be the way that we find to keep millions of people who should be dead alive so she's
0: kind of like a—I mean, the the analogy isn't perfect, but a Henrietta Lacks
1: type, somebody who—I was going to use this, yes, yeah. exactly. So for those of you guys who remember Henrietta Lacks, somebody who uh, you know developed a, a uterine cancer, uh, or it might have been cervical, and and when the when they took a sample of it, that was the only known you know cancerous cell to be able to be grown in a lab, and basically led to the modern oncology movement and the ability to treat and look at and diagnose cancers and do all this stuff in the lab because we can grow the cells, and it all came from one woman who had a mutant cancer growth that otherwise we would not have the progress in, in oncology we currently have. Well,
0: I'm sure she was compensated by the scientists whose career benefited from her uh, fairly. And
1: I'm sure she was looked at as a human by those same scientists she wasn't but i got to well, i mean i'm sure it was look like uh, as a human but she she wasn't compensated i got to say i've never found that a very convincing argument because that would be a unique situation where somebody is like nobody else is compensated in that way like if we find somebody with a specialized immune system a specialized t cell specialized something not only are they not they're, they're usually anonymous you don't even know where it came from but it's not like those people get money because their biology happened to be you know an a instead of a c or a t instead of a g like i, I I don't necessarily buy the idea that somebody should be paid off just for that natural occurrence thing. Bobby, we could sit here and argue
0: property rights all we want, uh, but the thing <laughs> is, the law is very clear on this. Uh, th- that was mis- by possession. That was Miss uh, Mrs. Lax's cancer cells. Uh, they were unlawfully obtained and ca- and held on. No, they
1: were they were lawfully. Obtained, yeah, I it was, it, I was a, it was it was
0: <laughs> an unsigned warrant. Uh, the scientist kicked in the door. <laughs> He's got a judge who would, uh, uh, who would bless anything. Uh, by the way, I wanted to go back when you talked about like that—that she, that she was the only going back to the previous case, the non-Hitari case. Uh, yeah, that uh, she was the only person who had survived this this horrible uh, uh, disorder yeah. in, in any species. I picture just like a ton of uh, you, you, remember in Akira that can, when Canada, the bad guy, kind of explo- yeah. like turns into—I yes. picture that like like all of them tr- eventually turn into this uh, this Akira beast, <laughs> just
1: a giant tumor mound. I mean, it's not inaccurate, but uh, (laughs) anyway... So interesting, you know. I can see this. Not, it's not. There is never going to be one magic bullet for all of cancers, but I can see this leading to a major cancer treatment. The same way, you know, someone seventy years ago was like, "Hey, look! If we expose ra- these tumors to radiation, it turns out they shrink." This might be something for later, and now, you know, obviously we have radiation treatment and stuff. Uh, I I think this will be a very important step to one of many different immunotherapies that. We we develop for cancer uh sounds great and
0: continued health to uh to to, to uh, mrs tumor 2022 yes uh, I, I mean, really good for, because I, I, I mean, the the fact that a tumor could come up, I mean, because tumors could be benign, but just appear in extremely inconvenient places that have, yeah. it, so every so she just knows that every time when she's rolling the dice, she's a brave lady. This this lady, I'd vote for her for president. Yeah, and,
1: and by the way, cancer treatment is like, no joke, it's it's pretty fucking horrible, and to have to go through that seven fucking times, or however many more cancers, that's just, uh. Poor, poor, lady. But we hope that the, you end up being one of the impetuses to the cure for cancer. On to article number two. We don't know what caused six massive irradiations of the Earth in the past, and it might happen again.
0: I think I think this is what's this the the Graham Hancock uh, future civilization uh, nuclear bombs. I think this is this is classic sci fi stuff. Obviously, you're not keeping up with
1: it. <laughs> Oh dear, so this is really interesting story about Miyaki events. Damien, do you know do you, do you know what Miyaki events are? My
0: first instinct was to do a Karate Kid reference and I realized no I'm stretching yes. that's not the name and that yep. and, and you're stretching. Uh so I'm yes. going to assume it is um I'm going to assume it's a Star Trek knockout, like China China the Star Trek of China's Kobayashi Maru. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's okay. like that's their Wow, Just that's deep. Center. Yeah. <laughs> the lore of our uni- the lore of science fiction goes deep. There's a counterfeit China sci-fi ring, clearly.
1: <laughs> I play Cork. He's not even in the next generation. <laughs> So, Miyake events were discovered by a Japanese researcher of the same name Miyaki in 2012, I'm probably pronouncing it wrong, but uh, the first of 6 of these events was identified in the tree rings from 774, the year 774 AD. And he first found them in Japanese cedar tree rings, but eventually kept looking, kept looking and found them all over the world. And that means that there was something going on. Now, what do we mean by, what did they find in this particular, in these tree rings? What they found was evidence of higher levels of carbon-14. So this is something we have talked about a little bit in this show, not necessarily the name, maybe not the name specifically, but- the way we do carbon-14 is, carbon-14 carbon dating is, carbon-14 is an uh, unstable element. It degrades uh, over a certain amount of time. We know the half-life of carbon-14. It's 5,700-some-odd years. So every 5,700-some-odd years, there'll be half as much carbon, and we can measure carbon and its constituent breakdown elements, and then see how much there is. Now that's a simplistic view of carbon dating because the fact of the matter is any organism is pulling in different levels of C14 depending on the time period because there's different levels of C14 in the atmosphere. Now C14 is caused by regular carbon up in the atmosphere getting struck by ultraviolet rays from the sun and basically modifying it, turning it into something different. The thought is that excess C14 comes when you have solar storms or solar events or things like that They cause excess C14 and it fucks up your C14 dating. Thankfully, over the past 15 or so years, we've been able to calibrate that really, really well using these tree ring data. As we go back and we literally calibrate it. In this year, there was this much C14. And this year there was this much. And that allows us to get these dates so that they're super accurate. I think I said, you know, the last time I sent in C14, the first time in my career, I sent in C14 dates I got back something that was like plus or minus 500 years. And the last time I sent it in, it was plus or minus 45 years. So like we've gotten so much better at our accuracy because of our ability to kind of tell when, what percentage, what the ratio of C14 was in the atmosphere at any given time. Well, in doing that, the, this researcher in 2012 looked back and found that in that year 774, there was a huge uptick of C14, maybe as much as 20 times that we would normally expect. And subsequent to that, six Kobayashi Miyake Maru. events, yes, six Marumiyaki events have been noted in the past 10,000 years by looking at similar data. So that was where we were. And that was all known and very interesting and, and just kind of one of those processes of science. But a new paper out this week really brings up some very disturbing ideas. The paper showed that if you look and you reference these tree ring data with the Antarctic ice cores and all this other stuff, it looks like these events, the Miyake events, are not actually directly tied to solar storms, at least not all of them. So here's a quote. If Miyake events are tied to solar activity, they could align with solar maxima, which occurs roughly every 11 years when solar flares become more frequent. But the researchers found no correlation between Miyake events in any phases of the solar cycle. What's more, the researchers found that two of the events appeared to last longer than a year, unexpectedly long for solar storms, which typically rage for hours or days. And if solar flares did cause the events, then trees near the poles where the Earth's protective magnetic field is weaker should contain higher levels of Miyake event radiation. But the researchers found no such trend. This is really interesting because what it says is, hey, there was an interesting thing we discovered in 2012. We've since discovered a few more of them. We thought we knew exactly what this interesting thing was. And it turns out we were wrong and now we have no fucking idea. Let's see okay, let's do some brainstorming
0: here, Bobby. I mean, sometimes you know for uh, uh, you know like uh, just as the hubble space telescope was was not fixed by a NASA scientist it was uh, fixed uh-huh. by an engineer who just was struck by brilliance what could cause on this podcast because we as we know we are uh-huh. PNAS's number one uh, sure. required leading required reading mm-hmm. and listening
1: uh what could it be? what could cause such a, a, a higher uh, my first thought was uh, something that I I keep in the back of my mind as one of my great fears. You know, I have, like, prions, people not using their turn signal, and gamma ray bursts. And I think gamma ray bursts would be a possibility. That is, a ton of energy hitting the atmosphere. It certainly could, you know, cause some carbon-14 emissions. I, I did some backup research when I talked. This is a fucking terribly interesting article. So I was like, oh, man, I got to figure this out. And I went back and looked. It looks like the evidence that we have, the trace evidence that we have of these Miyake events, they don't quite coincide with what we would expect from gamma ray bursts. Also, gamma ray bursts wouldn't last for a year. So like all of that, kind of takes my leading hypothesis out and, and frankly i don't know maybe it's solar storms that aren't correlated to those particular you know solar events maybe there's something we're missing in all of this or yeah maybe aliens are coming and, and fucking hitting us with radioactive weapons or something who knows I'm uh, glad you didn't
0: mention that your greatest fear was uh, one day standing at your 50th wedding anniversary and uh, next to all of your family and Mm -hmm. looking into your wife's eyes. And then she smiles. I remove my wig and it's me the whole time. Wow. Uh, I'm glad that that wasn't your biggest fear because that is certainly not happening right now. I am currently not ruining my life to keep this up. I've
1: been in a room with, each of you at the same time many many times so that that couldn't be possible i'm if you've seen I, I don't want to give too much of it away but you've seen the prestige right i have a twin that you've oh, never known I about see. also you and my wife are very different physical sizes
0: <laughs> yeah you'd be surprised uh, uh, the prosthetics that are available these days I have to have a personal surgery in between when I go to see my wife, Lauren, and then when I tag out my twin, I have to see a Mexico plastic surgeon just to get a few things nipped and tucked and undone.
1: Oh, dear. This is amazingly interesting because, you know, what did cause it? And could that thing happen again? Because the type of solar storms, the type of energy we're talking about here is significant. And I'm not saying it's going to fry us like a gamma ray burst would, but what it very well may do, in fact, what it almost certainly would do, is knock out all of our communication systems, all of our satellites. The closest thing we have to this is like the big solar storm of 1870, whatever, something around there. And at that point, that thing was so big, it blew up telegraph lines every around the world, right? That was when telegraph was the most technologically advanced thing we had. Now imagine when you have cell phones and computer lines and fiber, like just everything that we have is going to get fucking fried in the big enough solar storm. So if that happens and that
0: would that happen to the whole planet or just one side of the planet? It depends how long it would
1: last. I guess you know if it lasts for a day, then it would be the whole planet. Uh,
0: now, would that uh, knock us back to the Stone Age? In that, um, I mean, because think of it this way: if we if we were to even just repair the internet, we have to build the comp- we have to build all new components. It requires electronics, <laughs> and like like that was no, made no no artisanally no by no hand. for
1: for a few reasons. One, it's not like we would lose bronze or steel, so we wouldn't go back to the Stone Age for that reason alone. But secondly, you piece of shit. <laughs> The disruptions we're talking about are usually to things like transformers in the power grid system, because those can be overloaded and blow up and stuff. There will be some probably personal electronics that get fried from it. But for the most part, the situation would be that the grid would go down and it would take us a long time to put the grid back up just because those transformers are pretty hard to make. Like as, as somebody who works in a lot of like energy projects and stuff. When a transformer goes out, oftentimes they'll be back on on back order for like three months before you can get one. And so what that means is like, You know, if you had to replace all of the Transformers, it would take a really long time, and we don't just have those sitting in a warehouse somewhere. So it would take the time it would take to produce those Transformers and whatever personal electronics did get blown up, but for the most part, most of your personal electronics, most of your stuff would be fine. I actually see an event like this as ending in a lot of people using home batteries and solar and the stuff we wouldn't need transformers as a part of that we have lying around. We have solar panels in warehouses. We have Tesla power walls in warehouses. We could install those tomorrow. We don't have the transformers. In fact, an event like this might actually change the way we do power distribution in grids and might make us more you know individually reliant on self-produced power. Uh, is
0: the situation I was talking about where basically all uh, electronic, is that like a global EMP? type situation even an
1: emp is this would be like an it's basically a similar effect to an emp it's it's not an emp but you you could say it's a similar effect what you're causing is excess electron flow across wires and and that would blow out same thing it would blow out transformers and stuff it's going to shut down the ability of electronics to function at any given moment but it's not going to destroy all
0: it's an action movie i'm flying my helicopter away i still i die because the emp goes off right it, it fries my helicopter. That's action movies have Why would you me, die? What's that? Because I'm in Why a helicopter and th- that is in the air. And, and I do. And yes, if you're bringing out helicopter rotors, you auto rotate. What's that? Yeah, you auto rotate when you that when works you up land. to 300 yards. That works up to 300 yards in the air. You could survive the power going out. Don't fuck with me on this. Above 300 yeah, yeah. yards, do I die? Because because my helicopter went out. Wait, are you saying it doesn't work below 300 yards? It works. It does not work above 300 yards. It works like so. 300 yards and below, up and uh, vertically, a uh, at least the uh, the uh, Black Hawk helicopter. I can't speak for all models, but oh. a Black Hawk helicopter can survive a complete engine shutdown.
1: I thought it would be higher because you need more time for the. I thought the higher you go, the better because you need more time for the air to float Mm -hmm. to get the rotors going. Perhaps
0: you were right because, uh, you know, again, Mm. uh, I was an infantry guy, not a helicopter guy. We just, but we did learn learn some things. I know that uh, black ops tend to fly a little lower.
1: Anyhow, I'll look. I'll look up what the auto rotate uh, height is. Yeah, an EMP will knock out the flow of electronics and will destroy certain types of electronics that can be overloaded. Again, big thing would be power transformers on power line. The thing you see on the side of, of power poles and stuff—that big cylinder thing. Those transformers, those will get knocked out. That's the big thing with either EMPs or solar storms or stuff. And frankly not too long after that subsides, if the power grid isn't damaged, then you can just start all your shit back up after an EMP. It's not like they damage things permanently.
0: Okay, I guess that was the impersonation that Action Movies had given me, that it fried all electronics, like, uh, like, and then I thought, like, if that happened, how would we build more electronics? Because...
1: Yeah, no, not quite. And there are, to be fair, there are some things that are shielded, you know, anything you'd have underground or something would technically be shielded, so there would still be electronics afterwards and all that stuff. Still, very, very, very interesting. I want to know what the fuck this is. I want to know if it's some kind of weird celestial event. I just, it is incredibly interesting to me. And the most interesting part is just the process, you know, 10 years ago, discovery. Hey, look at this thing I found in 774. Oh man, that's so cool. Let's look back more discoveries. We found six of these things throughout the last 10,000 years. Super, super cool. Oh man. Right, right on. Uh, and then we know we we're pretty sure we know what this is. And then all of a sudden, oh, we have no fucking clue what's going on. I'm pretty sure,
0: though, if that happened like today, uh, it w- it might it might be the start of a purge or a civil war, like like today. By the way, it's election day, everybody. I hope everybody went out and voted. Uh, this is a big day for democracy. Well, <laughs> we fight- not by the time this airs. Okay, so uh, by the time this airs, we will know if democracy was saved for another few years or if uh, 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 we should start uh, creating maltov cocktails. So uh, fans, go ahead and write in to us about uh, either your favorite maltov cocktail recipe or what you're going to do with the few years you've bought left for democracy.
1: Oh dear, thank you audience for coming back for Science Faction 634 where you learned all about the luckiest and unluckiest woman on the planet and how we have no idea what caused six massive irradiations of Earth in the past 10,000 years, and why it might happen again. Thank you so much for joining us, and come on back next week for Science Faction 635.
0: Actually, I think the luckiest unlucky woman on Earth is my ex-wife, who's very happy right now. God damn it, I didn't own anybody, did I? I just owned myself. You've been listening to Science Faction. Wait, that's not right.